So Pete, I just finished an exam and I only got one problem right. And that's okay, because the first step to learning anything about everything is learning one thing. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everyone and everything in between, welcome to episode something something of the Stay Positive podcast. Whoa. That's a tough class, man. You're only getting one problems right one problem right on these exams. I I'm glad I'm not in school anymore. Jeez. Yeah, lucky you. But so back to my amazing intro, phenomenal. Alluding to the topic of today. Peter, what are we talking about today? So this one is meta. Meta as all hell. To be honest, I don't know anything about this. I feel like every topic I bring to you now, I'm just going to say I don't know anything about this because I feel so pea-brained when I actually do extensive research into these things. And you'll just, you'll understand why. A lot of people don't really obviously have an answer for this one, but it's always been an intense, intense curiosity of mine. And that is the theory of everything. <laughs> everything? That's quite a topic, Pete. I didn't see... And any subjects called everything. So where does one even begin to comprehend the theory of anything and everything in the world? Well, Einstein was one of the first people in modernity to actually actively try to solve this problem. He didn't do it. He eventually said, wow, this is this is too much. It's a tough problem. It's, it's, try try figuring out rules to literally explain why everything works the way it does. I implore anyone to do that because some of the smartest people in the history of all of humanity have tried and epically failed. Some people have tried to think they got close. It just doesn't. It, it, it's so difficult. It's so unfathomable how to even try to explain small parts of math, physics, every little branch of science. And now imagine trying to think of a calculation or a formula, just one little paragraph to explain how it all fits together. I mean, every expert in every field will tell you how complex certain things are, right? You have people that are getting PhDs in astrophysics or people that are creating insane structures skyscrapers people manufacturing vaccines and drugs that help people also drugs that kill people but hey man <laughs> we're on the positive side right yeah, yeah we have we have geniuses on this planet and when they hyper specialize you can see how difficult it is to do the things we've done so just imagine creating an umbrella for all of that that's that's a task and a half i'd say Oh, man, it's crazy. So yeah, back to the starting point. Einstein was one of the first to really, really try to unify what what was what is called unified field theory in physics. So he obviously became famous because of his papers on the photoelectric effect, which is, I, I feel like a lot of people actually don't know that this is the only reason that he is technically famous. Because everything else was really looked at by physicists at the time as, oh, this is stupid. This is preposterous. And nowadays we're like, oh, yeah, Einstein's a really smart dude. But he got a Nobel Prize for the photoelectric effect, which is explained simply. When you hit something with light, electrons come off of it. (laughs) When you 
hit something with light, electrons bounce off that thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he did, discovered certain parts about light. Yeah. Let's say, yeah, that light is a particle and a wave. Or let's just say that... Has properties of both a particle and a wave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just say that light itself is not just totally see-through, super awesome thing that everybody expects. Just does, It just exists by magic wizardry. It's actually that's stuff it. that's there. Yeah. Which is sort of intuitive. Obviously, we could see that light is there but we only understand because we have shadows in light otherwise it's just all around us and we can't really uh, we can't really conceptualize it right but anyway so he he showed that through that you almost like bumper cars light itself bumps out the electrons from where they were and takes the place sort of right Wow. so he was one of if not the first people to kind of prove that light is a real thing not just to a sensory thing yeah yeah basically wow so that that's why he was that's why he was famous that's why he got a nobel prize for it. but what he's really really famous for nowadays is special relativity which is ah oh, this is how do i how do i make this easy to understand this is so complicated everything is relative <laughs> yeah sure everything is relative basically <laughs> if i go super super fast in one direction then my time progresses slower than it would for you like if i was moving at a million miles per hour i'd probably age a little slower than you would all right that's not actually special relativity explained but it's a byproduct of it so that if that makes any sense to anybody i think that's awesome (laughs) and so general relativity is a generalized version of that which is basically applying those same theories except to all of our reality and that includes gravity that includes all the huge objects all the small objects things that basically can be governed by the way that what is called inertial reference frames interact with each other an inertial reference frame is basically something that has mass because something that has inertia is something that must have mass right so anything in a reference frame with mass is considered an inertial reference frame. So I have my own, you have your own. My bottle that I'm staring at has its own. Of course, that thing's not conscious, so it doesn't really see that. But you get the point. So everything around it is warping because of it. And that's basically what he's saying. He's saying that it's not only time that gets affected, but it's also space. So... Whenever you're close to someone, <laughs> I know you're you're thinking this is like this is this is spooky action at a distance, and I'll get to that part too. But whenever you're close to somebody, just think you actually are exerting a gravitational force on them. So, hey, people, we should be hugging more. <laughs> <laughs> so everything that contains mass has a gravitational pull. Like, I knew about this because so many cartoons made jokes about, like, if you're really fat, you'll have, like, an orbit or something. Oh, my God. I re- wow, I remember that, too. It's crazy how things change in 15 years. Yeah. But, I don't know. It's I think it's a little difficult to conceptualize because I'm thinking to myself, why isn't something orbiting around me? Or is it? And it's just, like, really small. Yeah, you're just too small, basically. 
we are all too small. Even the Earth itself is relatively small. It's a miracle that we have a moon orbiting Earth. But no, the point is, everything that's around us is is a fabric. Under this theory, at least. You know, everything that we see, we can touch, smell, feel, breathe, whatever. It's just a 3D fabric. And gravity is that fabric. So whenever you try to imagine what gravity actually is, it, I would suggest literally taking a hula hoop, putting it on some pegs so that it could stand up, and then wrapping it with some kind of nylon sheet and dropping a ball in the middle and then throw some marbles around that ball. So you'll see that is exactly what space is like. That's a 2D representation, but that is literally how everything works. And that's what that's what he tried to basically codify. But, and this is just one of like many theories or do do a lot of scientists agree with Einstein? Now they do because we detected gravitational waves a few years back, which are things that could be predicted only by general relativity. It was I think you remember this Lido, no not Lido. Li, LIGO, LIGO. It is a big laboratory that detected gravitational waves because of two black holes that were in a death spiral with each other then they collided and mixed together and then they eventually released those gravitational waves. So yeah, it's pretty accepted nowadays, but it's it's unfinished and it gets me into what I was going to say. But go on, you were going to say something. I, I was going to ask, like, did the, when two black holes, when they come together, do they cancel out or do they, like, merge? Oh, they merge. They make a bigger black hole. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's uh, cool, right? Okay, so... No, I, not really. It's scary. Because of that... Because of those two black holes in the laboratory, they came they came to an observation that validated or partially validated Einstein's theory. So what what's the scary thing? What's what's the new thing you're about to tell me? So Einstein wasn't a fan of quantum mechanics. There were some of the smartest people, people that you've heard in your high school chemistry classes, but you were always thinking, Oh, this is stupid. Why am I paying attention to this? I'm never gonna need this in life. <laughs> People like Niels Bohr. You've heard of the Bohr model, for instance. Uh, For other people in college, you've heard of Erwin Schrodinger. He was also... It's so crazy how all these physicists were German physicists, or German or Austrian, working on this right before World War II. And they were all, in some way, shape, or form, intermixed with that. And a lot of their work ended up contributing to the formation of the atomic bomb, the first iteration. So... Gotta love defense spending, right? <laughs> it's a fun fact, but... So what's the scary thing? Yeah, so quantum mechanics, which is the science of the really, really small stuff, it doesn't play by the same rules. And Einstein didn't like that. So he said, I need to figure out a way to combine general relativity, because obviously I'm right, <laughs> and figure out why the science of really small stuff just doesn't play by those rules. And he never, he didn't do that. Nope. Couldn't figure it out. Just couldn't so do it. Can you just briefly, like, I know this is like a 50-hour long topic by itself, but yeah. what's, uh, can you briefly explain quantum? So it's like, you, you said it has to do with small particles? Yeah, basically. So everything is made up of something. And I always have this argument with Nick, my buddy Nick that we've had on before, that if you can just assume that something is small and it can be break broken down into something smaller, why isn't it that just an infinite sort of Mandelbrot zoom? 
you know what that is that fra those fractals that you go yeah, into yeah. YouTube. yeah why can't you just consistently and infinitely break something down further and further and to be honest the logic is not terribly flawed right because if something is to be made of something and the law of conservation of energy and mass are still pretty much applied that means you can't just have something exist out of nothing right so it doesn't matter how many times you divide there still has to be something there and one core unit of whatever the things that we are made of it should be you should you should be able to break it down further logically i mean logically yes but there's also you could make the argument there's a logic that something had to start from somewhere you can't just i mean maybe it goes on for infinity i wouldn't know but it, I, I i guess it's one of those like strange things you know you know like how infinity has infinite subgroups like there's mm -hmm. small infinity and big infinity mm -hmm. so for those of you who want an example of what i'm talking about um if you want to count like one two three four five and you go all the way to infinity, that's infinite numbers, right? But then look between the numbers 1 and 2 and go into the decimals, and you have 1.1, 1 1.2, 1 1.3, etc. And then, so okay, you have 10 decimals between 1 and 2. But then you have 10 decimals between 1.11 and 1.12, and then 1.111 and 1.1112. And it's basically like each one of these have infinite numbers. In Like, so you have infinite infinity groups between just one and two alone and that applies infinity times since you can count from one to two to three etc to infinity <laughs> so you have infinity to the infinity to the infinity power so yeah that's fun and yeah, that's gross i don't know it's, it's just like mind blown you know because you would think infinity is the biggest but then you just look between the two like two small numbers that are right next to each other as integers, and all of a sudden, it's almost like a void or a vacuum of infinity just between those two alone. Yeah. So yeah. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe everything is infinite, and everything can yeah. be broken down smaller and smaller, but I guess this leads to the super philosophical question of where the heck did infinity come from? Yeah, exactly, and how is it that we... <laughs> I, I would just rephrase what you said, but anyway, so... Without us getting too deep into the weeds, basically quantum mechanics are the study of the really super small particles that make up everything. So people have heard of the standard model of physics before, which is basically just the atomic structure of every material that we see. So the wood that you see, it's made up of certain elements, right? Carbon, oxygen, nitrogen, oh, whatever. Whatever which else goes into it. Which are made up of protons, neutrons, and electrons. Exactly, which are made made up of quarks, quarks. and neutrinos and different things, right? Smaller there, parts. and those subparticles also are made up of smaller things, right? There, there are crazy things like bosons, like the Higgs boson, which proved that certain things have mass, and that Einstein was even more right than we thought. Blah blah blah. It's all that it is is just, once again, smaller ways to break down everything that exists. And this brings me to sort of the first candidate for what is this quote-unquote theory of everything. And a lot of people are starting to look at it now and say, oh, this is BS because there are just too many flaws in it. 
but that is string theory. So before I delve in, the whole point of physics is to figure out a way to encompass everything, right? We need to understand how all of it works. And if the science of the really big and the science of the really small don't mesh together, then this quote unquote theory of everything, this quote unquote unified field theory, whatever you want to call it, it can't work. It's just impossible, right? So people said, hey, what if we just try to figure out the really small and not pay attention to the really big? And then once we figure that out, we can extrapolate and get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, that, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, makes sense, but that like that runs the risk of you could always go smaller. That's the, the, yeah. That's problematic. Exactly. So what they did was, I mean, aside from some other really complicated math that I definitely don't understand, they decided, okay, instead of going smaller breakdowns, instead of trying to get to a core fundamental thing that could be possible, right? They said, why don't we just expand dimensions? So (laughs) we remember how length, width, and height are dimensions, right? And at least from my intuitive understanding, time itself is one, but we can't travel through time freely the way we can travel through length, width, and height. Height. So using your idea of infinity and taking into account that we already live in three, there are pretty much infinite dimensions. We just can't live in them. We can't see them. We can't intuit, right? But we can mathematically represent them, which is really stupid. (laughs) I just don't like that at all. So... String theorists said, what if everything is just made up of a bunch of vibrating energy? It's super, super small. This energy is tiny. It is inconceivably small. So small that we would never be able to actually detect it with any sort of methods used today. Which just sounds like a self-fulfilling prophecy to me. And these strings exist in 10 dimensions. <laughs> Why 10 specifically? Because like I said, this is their way of tackling the problem that you can't break. It, you don't want to have to break this down further. Because what, okay. like I said, what makes up the string? <laughs> right? Yeah, okay. So there's vibrating string in 10 dimensions that we can't measure that make up everything. Stupid. That's... Heard crazier explanations. <laughs> so there's that there's that one candidate theory. I I'm I'm not smart enough to understand that stuff at this current moment, so I'm not even gonna try to explain it further. But that's people have heard string theory, that's exactly what it is. It's just people that say that everything is made up of vibrating strings of energy. Take that as you will. Fair enough. You know, I, I have a philosophical question. Shoot. You know, I'm a strong not wanting to believe in uh, simulation theory, but you know, I when you introduced this topic about a theory for everything, I was like thinking, what if? Because we speculate about the Big Bang starting everything, and we speculate about the heat death of the universe that every star will lose its energy and eventually will have nothingness. Mm-hmm. So, if we are a simulation, which I don't want to believe is true, but if we are just for the sake of argument, let's say the person who started our simulation, what if, what if, just out of, like, just ideologically, what if the person who made our simulation is running simulation after simulation, trying to 
test, trying to test if the living creatures in the simulation can prove they're like in the simulation by coming up with the theory for everything. So they can create their own like universe or keep their own universe alive. And they're trying to figure out if that's what they're doing. I always thought, like, I was thinking about that. It's like, that would be funny. Because I raised the question, like, who cares? Like, yeah, it's fun if we knew everything about everything. But that sounds like something only, like, a god would know. And for us to achieve godhood, that would be, that would be something, wouldn't it? I mean, look, man, you've touched finally on the things that keep me up at night <laughs> this is the stuff <laughs> i think about when i'm not thinking about all the other things i'm doing and i just literally i fall asleep because i'm just so tired after it <laughs> it's not because i'm actually my body needs the rest it's because i just say wow this is so meta i mean that that obviously raises other questions as to who started the simulation but you know like i said i don't want to believe it but I'm just curious, what would happen if we did figure out everything? Like, where would humanity go now? Would we create the universe again? Or what? Would all problems be, like, finished? Will we come to the conclusion that life needs to come to an end? Like, what would the end look like? And in this world of infinity, maybe there is no end. Maybe that's the message, is that nothing ends, everything goes on forever, and that's how life that's what life is, just prolonging infinity for as long as we can. That's a pretty beautiful message when you think about it. I mean, it's so simplistic and yet so vast and expansive because obviously infinity. <laughs> so <laughs> It's pretty big. Yeah, it's not, it's not a small thing, right? Yeah, I, I can't really give you a good answer on that, man. I It sounds like a cop-out when I say we are just so so pea-brained as a species to really understand that we are we're just a bunch of evolved apes trying to figure out our way through this society or through this world even right not even we can't even get off this planet effectively better yet figure out the rules that freaking make everything work that make the whole universe (laughs) right we can't hop a few we can't even hop a single light year but we're trying to figure out how everything works. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's a tough problem, man. I'm I'm optimistic that it'll happen one day. I don't know if it happens in our lifetimes because there's just so much more to learn. I think, you know, you and I, we are very interested in this topic and interested in the sciences. But I do think maybe there's like a poetic nature to all this, to this studying. I recently came across two Russian uh, animators who do stop motion animation, mm-hmm. and they've been doing. They've been working on a project, I believe, for forty years nonstop. Mm-hmm. And they they work by themselves. They accept no help from anyone else, but they're really good. And these two animators, I'll link them in the description. I. So the main, they're, they're a husband and a wife, and the husband, he said something along the lines of finishing the project isn't the point, or I'm not working on this project to finish it. And when I heard that, it, it sounded strange at first. It's like, because what's the point? Why are you working if not to like have a final product to show to the world? But when he was explaining it, it, was, it really was that idiom 
it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And I really do think, poetically speaking, you could make the argument that these scientists, it's the same thing. It's not about the end. It's about keeping it going, taking what Einstein did, what Bohr did, what Newton did, what everyone in the past did, and building off of that for as long as they can, and then leave their mark, and then the next generation will start off where they left off and keep going and going and going and co- almost like an infinite project humanity's humanity's uh, swan song if you will it's pursuit of everything and maybe we will find everything but i think the beauty comes in that journey of discovery on that journey of finding new things building off those new things and then finding even newer things just a never-ending journey of self-discovery and interplanetary universe discovery. Yeah, I couldn't have said that better myself. That is honestly, once again, beautiful message, this time by you. But it really, <laughs> it really makes people think, right? There are certain things that we can never know. And I think that in itself is very profound. And that, that's why this problem is so important to us also as a culture, as a species. You realize that it's way bigger than just figuring out how stuff works. Of course, yeah, the human curiosity is inevitable. It's just something that we have to feed. It's like a beast that, that will never be satiated. But there is the point of enjoying what got you to that point. And I think that is the best explanation for continuing this on. And if I said anything else, I'd be reiterating. So with all of that being said, in your pursuit of all the things that make our universe come to be, and keep in mind, there's a lot more, and we will get to it at a later date. In all of this journey of yours, you only want one simple message to keep you going stay positive